Welcome to the Constructing Greatness Podcast, where I will be sharing real stories with inspiring tradesmen and many other driven and passionate leaders in construction and various other industries. I'm your host, Nicholas Ofak, and I've been in the construction business since 1996 as a construction manager and have worked for some of the largest builders in the United States. I'm now a business owner entrepreneur, and partner in a firm where we've successfully managed to be listed on the Inc. 5000, America's fastest growing private companies three years in a row. The main purpose of this podcast is to inspire and create awareness about the value of working in the trades and to educate about the great benefits and rewarding opportunities it can create. Are you ready to take this fun journey with me? Let's do it. Did you know that you should never use paints or coatings on brick, block, stone, or mortar? It's because it needs to breathe. Instead, you can stain it to any color that you'd like, and yes, even the mortar too. Staining is 100% maintenance-free and permanent, unlike coatings. So why don't more people know about it? We wondered the same thing. MNN Masonry Staining is a South Jersey contractor that has partnered with the oldest brick staining manufacturer in the United States and is certified to use their proprietary products and over 45 years of staining knowledge. MNN is scheduling residential and commercial building estimates now. For more information, call Nick at 856 217 1750. Or follow M&N Masonry Staining on any social media platform. Today's guest has over 30 years experience in the construction industry, and I've known her probably for almost half of those years. She's a great networker. She's an advocate of the trades. And about this time last year, she expressed interest in coming on the podcast. And I said, hell yeah, let's do it. Christine Workman. Welcome to the podcast. (laughs) How are you? Good. Good to have you. Thank you. I love your podcast. These are awesome. Yeah. And I I really appreciate you reaching out and and sending me those, you know, those little notes that that you enjoy listening. And and I, again, I really appreciate it. I want to go back to when you started. You started in the construction industry. You know, you had, you got a degree at uh, Rutgers, New Mm -hmm. Brunswick, and you, Got a BS in environmental planning and design. What what did you foresee yourself doing with that degree? I I wanted to get into landscape architecture and urban planning. I you know I loved the whole idea of designing large developments and you know kind of working and making things work with the landscape rather than you see these big developers that come in and just level everything and you know all of a sudden it's just it looks like tombstones houses or townhouses. Mm-hmm. But that was not, uh, you know, I did go to work for a large construction company, a residential construction company, but, you know, they were local to where I was in Jersey, Jersey girl, born and raised. Uh-huh. And, you know, kind of worked my way through there. I was there for 17 years, started as an administrative assistant and ended up the director of training for the Northeast region. So I kind of grew up there and got got to touch all kinds of construction. So I was out in the field as a superintendent, worked in the estimating department. So I, my love really is is the construction process. Yeah. And I see it was Hubnaning, okay, Hubnaning Homes, right? You were a community manager for a couple of years and then 16 years as a director of training. Yeah, it's uh, 18 years in that company umbrella. What made you 
move on? What made you leave? Well, residential construction did slow down. And my last project that I did with them as a community manager, community builder, was a condo building or 55 and over condos that had elevators. And I was just fascinated by the fact that nobody on site knew anything about the elevators. We had no idea. We were like, what do we do with this? And it was, well, and then I started finding out with the permit and the, you know, getting all of, getting everything, my inspections done. Until you get the elevator inspected, you can't get anything else done. (laughs) Nothing. You can't get a TCO. You can't get anything unless that elevator is working. And when I left, I thought, huh, now there's, that's, that's an industry I would love to pursue. And I, and it actually, it found me. Otis found my resume on monster.com. Monster, I remember. You remember, right? <laughs> I, and yeah. I I actually thought it was a joke when they called because I was like, you're going to tell me that Otis Elevator really pulls resumes from Monster? Like, really? <laughs> that was a big, that was a big website. That's where everyone, everyone went, right? Yeah, to, right. To it, now it's a D, yeah. but. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I was like, it's time to start to do something new. So that's kind of, you know. Like, let's see what else is out there after 18 years in one company. Yep. And, and I see, yeah, you, you had moved on around 2007 and that's when things were getting rough. So that makes sense. And then you, you bounce a little bit with, um, you know, with a, a construction company and then you were with, you were code enforcement and zoning assistant director for a brief period as well. Mm-hmm. And then I guess you realized that, uh, you wanted something different and Otis had reached out, I guess, right around that time frame, right? Yeah, it was, it just, you know, the timing worked out perfectly for me. And, you know, it was one of those, they said, you know, really, this is, they said, well, we, you know, we look for key terms. You've got construction industry knowledge. You've got, you know, your inspector's license. You have your OSHA director. I'm an unauthorized OSHA trainer. So there were all kinds of things that, you know, Otis looked for was, you know, safety and construction industry knowledge. And, you know, I, Looking at what I did, they said, and you're probably okay working in a trailer out on a construction site. And I said, oh, that's my preference, actually. <laughs> that's when we met, uh, when you were with Otis. I believe we met on the Tyler School of Art project. Yes. Is, is that correct? That's what I recall. That's it. Yep. You guys were building the building, and uh, we were installing the freight elevator. We were the uh, CM for Temple on that project, and uh, we were responsible to to basically manage all the contracts for all the various prime contractors, Otis being one of them. And I used to really enjoy the fun battles with your superintendent over contractual obligations. That was, uh, that was fun. (laughs) You know, it, Mm -hmm. and I don't think it's unique to him. I think it's a lot of it is the industry. It's, I mean, elevators are a very specialized industry within the construction industry. And you touched on it earlier, just people not knowing, and I wanted to get into, you know, just the many things as a, as a GC, construction manager, all the things that we have to coordinate for you. I mean, get your pit size correct, get your shaft mm-hmm. size correct, the structural requirements for your rails, depending on, you know, what, what type of elevator it is. And as a GC, dealing with elevator contractors was one of the most challenging because we didn't know all the you know, the specifics yeah. like you guys do. And um, yeah, it was always, it was always fun and, and challenging, you know, at the same time to make sure we're doing it how you need it. Because like you said, you know, you have to get those inspections and certifications. And if you don't, don't do it right. It can hold you up. Oh, 
And I was so excited when I moved over to the elevator industry that I was like, wow, wait, I just have to worry about this little portion of the building. <laughs> I don't have to worry about anything else going on anywhere else in the building. Like, this is it. So to me, this was, I was like, wow, this is awesome. And, and it did help coming from a general contracting background where I could look at it and go, oh, okay, you know, rail supports. And I understand we have concrete block if we're doing, you know, maybe we need tube steel. So that all kind of made sense to me. So it was, it was really nice to go in there. Okay. So my, my background helps now with the elevators. And the other thing too, is the elevator lead times. Like they were always the, just, I remember it was like 14, 16. I'm not even sure what they are. Maybe you can, you know, know, (laughs) let me know. But, but now everything seems like it's 14, 16 plus weeks. Oh, no, 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 no. I'm sure sure you are. Back when it was good. (laughs) Now with supply chain issues and everything, you're talking 24 week easily. I can only imagine. Yeah. I'm just saying everything seems like it's 14 plus, you know, every material nowadays, but, but it was always the longest lead item, which we wanted to get contracted early. You know, mm-hmm. so we have it when we need it, you know. That's, I've said that to people, you know, the last, well, really the first quarter. I'm like, oh, you think you're going to modernize your elevators this year? Too late. Yeah. You're not, you're not, you shouldn't be thinking about it now. You, <laughs> at this point in time, you should already have somebody under contract and you should have those drawings, preliminary drawings submitted. <laughs> and, you know, people, well, wait, but we're not going to break ground until next year. Yeah. That's, that's right about the right timeline. It can take a full year. It just to do a modernization, not even a new construction. Yeah, I bet. No, I bet. Yeah, I feel like new construction may be a little bit easier because you can do other things while you're waiting on the elevator. If you're just doing a lobby renovation or, you know, a, a modernization, it's tough. Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Because yeah, that's modernization even within is a specialty within the elevator trade, which is the specialty within the construction trade. So it's, you know, you're working around inhabited buildings where people are working or living it's it's a huge challenge and with otis you were you were a project manager and, and you were also a, a service sales account manager and then you moved on to to kone americas yes mm-hmm. and you were there for almost four years as a service sales manager they're two of the big guys yep. i would say and how different were those two companies they, a little bit different philosophy. I mean, Otis is an American-based company and Kone is a European-based company. So a little different mm-hmm. in the way that they, they approach things. I mean, you know, everybody says the work-life balance and, but Kone, you know, being a European company, they really, really were very family oriented and very, like they ran, they ran a summer camp where they would send a scholarship out to anybody's kids who were like 12 to 15 send them to Finland for three weeks. Sure. All expenses paid. Mm -hmm. And it was just, they wanted these kids to have that experience. Um, So a little bit, you know, similarly, they all have the same structure. The big, you know, the big international ones have the same structure. You got your construction department, your um, service department and your modernization department. And it, it's kind of amazing how all three of them work so independently that, you know, you really, you don't see a whole lot of crossover. New construction installs the elevator. They turn it over to service and the service team's like, hey, wait, you didn't finish this. Wait, what's that? Oh, you guys can handle it. That used to be one of my, that was one of my favorite things to do as a construction project manager was let's finish the punch list for this owner, for the GC. Because then you were guaranteed to get the maintenance. Mm -hmm. Got it. Yeah. You're always looking for the maintenance contract. Yeah. 
Yeah, we, you know, we used to say that was one of our phrases. We install it in order to maintain it because that's your, that's your cash flow. That's your monthly revenue that comes in. Yep, sure is. And, and every building has a maintenance service contract because, uh, they, they have things, to. Things, things happen with those elevators. Yeah. They, they happen mm-hmm. often, whether small or they have to doesn't mean they do, <laughs> but there's a, they're required to. And it's the larger buildings absolutely have it. Yeah. And you know what elevators haven't been well maintained. You know it right away, right? Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, before I got into the industry, I was petrified of elevators. I got I get motion sickness. I'm afraid of heights. So, you know, this is the perfect industry to be in. Yeah, I'm sure you're one of many that have those claustrophobia. And I know plenty of people anyway. So back to, you know, you being with two of the big ones. You know, this is a question I get often. Like, you know, how many elevator contractors are there, you know, and, and, uh, you know, people would seem to hit here just, they know Otis, I think is the one that I think that sticks out the most. Mm-hmm. N- name the other, the other big ones out there for people that are listening. So the other big ones. Um, so you've got Otis Schindler, ThyssenKrupp, which is now TK elevator. They just got bought out by some private, I think two private equity firms, um, Kone. And then mm-hmm. there are some other, you have Mitsubishi and Fujitech. Mm-hmm. So those mm-hmm. are also out there. They're not as large in the Philadelphia market, but those are your big international ones. And then there, there's a handful of medium to, medium to large yep. independents. Oh, there's plenty. Yeah, no, I know. There's a lot of them. And that's, you know, a lot of people do gravitate towards those because a lot of their employees grew up working for the majors. And that's what we've always kind of dubbed them as the majors. And they're people who kind of branched out on their own. And a lot of them have made a great run with it. They, but during COVID, a lot of them did not make it. Like single lifts and, and like little lifts, handicap, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like, like the smaller ones. Yeah. Yeah. The chair, the, the chair, chair lifts, lifts that yeah. you might have in a small residential nursing home or, you know, there's the little wheelchair lifts that now oh, we have to go up five feet. We're not going to put a full elevator in. Yeah. So a lot of it's really for ADA compliance. Yep. Because that's, you know, when you start looking at the elevators, it's, you know, we have to always be careful. We have to look at it and go, okay, hold on a minute. Yeah, we're we're modernizing, but what's the handicap code? What's the fire code? Mm -hmm. What's the electrical code? What's the, so all that comes into play. Absolutely. Yeah, I've done quite a few over the years. So there's four, the big four, right? There's, there's just the four big ones, right? And that's what I tell people, but a lot of them don't, didn't really hear of a lot of the other ones. I think Otis seems the one one that sticks out the most. It, it's very regional. You know, you you can go somewhere and you may have worked in Philadelphia and you had Otis and loved him. And then you may go out to the suburbs or move to Delaware and you're like, I'm in Southern Delaware and I I didn't don't see an Otis band. Like everyone here has Schindler. So it's it's somewhat geographic, you know, where wherever the offices are. No, understood. And then after Kone, you got into Elevator Consulting. You worked for a company called Vertical Systems Analysis. How was that transition from working with one of the big four, you know, two of them, to now you're a consultant? It's like jumping the fence. The big joke in the elevator industry is elevator consulting is where elevator people go before they die. (laughs) It used to be, you know, the old man's trade where... All right, I'm retired from being an elevator mechanic. I'm retired from working in the office, but I'm not wanting, I don't want to lose touch with the industry. So 
I'm going to go over and be a consultant because I got beat up for all these years working for GCs and dealing with a consultant. Now I'm going to go over there and I'm going to beat them up. We didn't beat you up. Stop. We never beat you now, up. For me, though, it was, I get to be the owner's rep. Now I get to demystify the whole thing. And I get to be on the owner's side and say to them, here's what's really going on. Here's what's happening. When we say parts are going to be delivered overnight, yes, they will. Once they become, once they're manufactured and become available, they will be overnighted. <laughs> so you have to understand the, the inner workings of the majors of the, the mm -hmm. big four. Got it. You know, yes, they're the big four. They, and they do have huge inventories of their parts, but they don't have hundreds of every single spare part sitting in a warehouse. There's not a warehouse big enough for that. Mm -hmm. So they keep the, keep the popular stuff. So with Vertical Systems, you, you got a good taste of what the consultant business development side, you know, of, of, of how they do business. And then, you know, you did that for what, a little over three years. And then you, you started with a company called MHI Consulting. Is that pretty much the same as Vertical Systems in terms of how their, their business? It is. Almost all consultants do the same thing. We act as the owner's rep. We help out. It's kind of, we, you know, I, I joke with people and I say, well, we do, you know, MHI, we're elevator consulting. We don't manufacture an elevator. We don't install an elevator. We don't maintain an elevator. We don't repair an elevator. We don't do any of the real work. We do all the behind the scenes with the building owners, with the property managers, you know, with the developers. We'll go in and help kind of help you design it, help you figure out what is it that you need. Because a lot of times the people building that building don't really know what they need as far as an elevator or do they just need a Lula? Do they need the limited use, um, limited availability? Do they need a wheelchair lift? What do you need? You know, what do you, what's your usage? What's your, what is your traffic flow going to look like? So we'll do traffic flow analysis to figure out based on the number of stories, the number of people, the size of the elevator, how many floors it is. So we'll do that. We do everybody, all the guys in my company have their QEI, the Qualified Elevator Inspector license, which they can do the six-month inspections, the annual inspections, the three-year pressure tests, the five-year full load. But people, I had a call earlier this, uh, I guess the end of last week. We're looking for someone to do an elevator inspection. I said, okay, are you looking for the elevator company to do the inspection or are you looking for the third-party witness? And she said, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay, let's, now let's back up. Mm -hmm. We don't do the inspection. We witness the inspection. Okay. Is it so? Yes. Is it okay? Who does your inspection? Well, we don't have anyone. I like, oh, well, you need to have an elevator company. Okay. So do you do that? I was like, no, we, but we can. We can we help recommend. people find. Sure. Yep. Yeah. We recommend. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we know mm -hmm. who's available. We know who's in what areas. I think that was one of my biggest I don't want to say it was a challenge, but it was a surprise to me. Working in Philly for Otis and Kone, that's local five territory. I got to New York and I was like, oh, wait a minute. I don't have the boundaries of the unions anymore. I can now work for people in New Jersey. I can work for someone in Philly. I can work for someone in New York. So it's really broadening my perspective on elevator companies. So it's, 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 it's an interesting change because I have to keep reminding myself, oh, wait a minute. I don't have to stick with what I did when I was there. Mm -hmm. No, understood. 
Understood. And I wanted to backtrack too about your, you know, your, your networking, because it seems like many events that I go to, you're already there, or you have invited me in the past. You were the chapter president for IFMA, Greater Philadelphia chapter. Talk a little bit about, you know, just, you know, being the chapter president and your involvement with them right now. So um, I've been involved with, we call it IFMA, IFMA yep. International Facility Managers mm-hmm. Association. It's one of those things that as a vendor or a service provider, you really, you kind of look around and go, well, where do I get new business? And if you look, there are, you know, we joke around and call it alphabet soup. You have all these different networking groups. So I, I joined IFMA. I thought, okay, this is a good one. It's all the facility managers. These are the people that have to deal with the elevator companies, right? With all of our, all the trades. And they're the ones who are hiring and they're the ones who are working with contracts. So got involved. And I think I was at maybe my second or third event. And somebody turned around and said to me, hey, you want to join a committee? Want to be on the programs committee? And I said, okay, what does that mean? They said, oh, you help us plan events. So, all right, I could do that. That's we'll go once a month and we figure out what we're going to do. And, you know, after about six months on that, hey, you want to be the committee chairperson? Okay. What do you do with that? Oh, you just run the meetings. All right. Did that for about a year. It was, hey, you want to be vice president? <laughs> so you have to be very careful when you join these groups. So then you I went could from get vice very president. involved, right? You're yes. saying take, involved and take a lot of time. You got it. Yeah. Yeah. And then from vice president, moved up to president. And that was really, that was in 2020. Well, 2019. And then all of a sudden I was still, I was president in 2020 when everything kind of came mm-hmm. to a screeching halt. And we really, really had to look at it and go, well, what can we do for the facility managers? How can we still provide information and education. So we flipped right away to Zoom like we're doing now, which was, you know, if you had known about Zoom three years ago, wouldn't you have invested in them? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Hell yeah. Yeah. But, you know, it's a great group and it's really, I've made, a, you know, besides the networking and the connections, I've made a lot of really good friends in that group and other vendors. And it's, you know, we do a lot of cross networking where I'll, I'll say to somebody who's, you know, one of the carpet vendors, hey, I was at this building. They're looking for this here. Call these guys. So we do a lot of uh, inter-networking among ourselves. Yep. I know you do. I know you do. And then back to MHI Consulting, you were a sales manager for a couple of years. And I just learned recently pre-recording what's going on here behind the scenes. And I'd like you to share a little bit. But you then became regional account manager and partner. And yes. talk a little bit about, you know, just how you became a partner and how COVID had, you know, played a part in that. So MHI is an established company in California. That's mm-hmm. our parent company. They opened an office in the greater Philadelphia area and said, you know, is this something you want to continue on doing? So I went from VSA to MHI and that was in February of 2020. So right. Mm-hmm. Timing is everything. Yeah. And I was actually at a networking event on March 16th or 17th. And it was like, okay, everything is kind of shutting down. The follow that night, it was like, okay, no more anything, nothing in person, everything's closed. So we kind of, we limped along having only been open here on the East Coast for about six weeks to where nobody wanted anyone in their building. So, you know, really getting new business was not really, not conducive. There was nothing going on. 
So fast forward to December of 2021 and MHI in California called us and said, so we'll keep helping you out, but we're not going to financial, we're not going to finance the company anymore. So Mm -hmm. it's up to you guys what you'd like to do. And sat down with the guys and had a meeting and said, do, is this what we want to do? Do we want to move forward with MHI or do we want to everybody kind of scatter and, you know, go back and work for Otis or Kone or VSA? Mm -hmm. Do we want to do that? And the guys all said, no, I really don't want to do that. Mm -hmm. But how do we keep going? And I said, well, we're going to form an LLC for Philadelphia, the greater Philadelphia area for Pennsylvania. And I'll be the 51% owner and I will finance it myself personally out of, you know, out of my, my IRA. And I love it. That's what I we did. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't go back. I mean, I, yeah, it would be easy, very easy to call an elevator company and say sure. to them, Hey, I'm looking, Sure. you know, you guys want to hire me, but it, I feel like, and you know, from working for yourself, it's, it's very different than it is being just a worker bee in a big organization to being the one that, Hey, I can kind of pick and choose and I get to choose how we deal with our clients. And you are absolutely passionate about what you do, which is why we connected. And, you know, what you did, there's a small percentage of people that would, would take that risk. And is it really a risk? You're betting on yourself. And, and uh, you know, congrats. I love that story and I appreciate you sharing it. And, and I love my team. If I didn't know that my team, that the guys that I have out there in the field, the consultants and the inspectors, if I didn't know that they were out there every day, you know, and they're, I can tell they're on their computers you know, responding to emails at eight o'clock at night, they're up and, you know, we do, the ins- yeah. Yeah, we do the inspection for Philadelphia housing authority. That's not mm-hmm. an easy account, <laughs> but I got guys out there at 7am and, you know, some of them don't live close. So they're driving two hours to get to, you know, to a location to go do an inspection. That's mm-hmm. just kind of, they're like, well, you know, if I had to go to center city, it's going to take me an hour and a half. I'll drive two hours out into the suburbs, whatever. Mm-hmm. Whatever you got to do. Hey guys, it's Nick. I have a short message from our sponsor, MPC Builders. With well over 40 years of combined construction-related experience in both the residential and commercial markets, MPC Builders services the New Jersey and Philadelphia metro areas. Check out our website at mpcbuilders.net or you can call me directly at 856 217-1750 and I'd be happy to answer any questions you have about your construction project. So speaking of passion, outside of your business, what do you like to do? Networking, does that count? (laughs) For hobbies, I know you like that too. I love to network. I know you do. No, I mean, that's sure, but but outside of like hobbies, anything, anything you do? Actually, I've been doing kickboxing now for about, I'm going to say, let's see, my son is 18. He started at the karate school when he was six. So probably about 10 years. I've been at the same karate school doing kickboxing with the same group of people. That's like, that's kind of like my social network. Those are my people. Mm -hmm. And we, we just, we were laughing because we went Saturday, we were there and he's, the guy says, oh, by the way, we're closed Easter weekend. So nothing, we're not open Good Friday. Easter Saturday, Easter Sunday, he goes, oh, I forgot. You people are crazy. You're going to all go meet out on the boardwalk <laughs> or in the ball field, and you're going to have your own Easter workout. So while I'm not a fitness nut, 
I just happen to love that group of people. And it's, mm-hmm. we happen to be exercising while we're doing it, but we all, we Excellent. get together. We, we do obstacle races. We do mm-hmm. a lot of the, uh, the rugged maniac, the mutterellas, you know, the inflatables. So we do a lot of those and it's with the same group. Great. sounds like you have great connections with them. A lot, a lot of, a lot of synergy. Yeah. So if someone wants to get into construction, but they're not sure, what advice would you give someone, young lady, young gentleman, that's interested? How would they get started? You know, it's interesting. So I started in just with, in a construction company that was general contracting. And I kind of did my own. A lot of these, a lot of the larger companies do have like a, a training program or a rotation where you can really get out there and learn, you know, and yeah, I went to college for it, but I see the trade schools being a huge, you know, I would look into some of the trade schools and go to some of the open houses and see what's out there. I mean, I do, I belong to NAWIC, the National Association of Women in Construction. They run a construction camp for young girls every spring or announce, I think it's in the summer. And they get exposed to all the different trades. They go to the carpentry union and they learn how they make a toolbox and then we give them tools to put in it. They go to the electrical union. They learn how to wire a lamp and they get to take home a lamp that they've wired. Mm-hmm. They go to the tapers, glazers and painters and they learn how to use, like they learn how to walk on the stilts and do the, do the spackling. They learn how to use a spray gun for paint. And I think, you know, it's cool because they'll learn not only if they like something, but they'll also learn if they hate it. (laughs) Doesn't take long to figure that out, right? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I mean, that's Williamson College of the Trades. They have a great program. You know, it's, it is a men only school, but, Mm -hmm. you know, there's other schools, Mercy Vocational High School does all kinds of trade work. Their top graduate was a, in the automotive mechanical field was a young girl. Daisy, she was the top, top graduate and we loved it. We were like, this is awesome. That is awesome. You really want to be a car mechanic? You don't want to be an elevator mechanic? (laughs) Good stuff. Can't even convince my kid to become an elevator mechanic. So (laughs) I can't convince my kids construction either. I know mine's sticking in the industry, just not, not elevators. He wants to, he wants to build airplanes. My daughter's, she actually is in tech school, but she's, she's into the culinary art. Okay. And uh, she works for a bakery. She's working, she's been working there since she's been 15 and she loves it. Loves it. Well, that's, you know, we, we put too much emphasis on college and on that four-year degree. You Don't know, even get me started. Yes. <laughs> I, mean, and that's what, I know, and, I know. And, and that's what this podcast is. You know, the, the main purpose of it is just to let people realize that there's, there's so many other, you know, options and, and options that may make way more sense, but you just have to really dig deep and, and, and find out what you're interested in. And, and, yeah. and I mean, you know, I met, you know, when I got out on site on the very first job site I was on, I was like, wow. Okay. So these guys, you know, you look at it, all right, it's construction, but wow, they have to know how to weld. They have to know electronics. They have to know how to build a controller and that's all computer programming. So it's so much goes into it that people don't see. All they see is that these guys have grease under their nails. It's a way different world. No, and it's more rewarding than people realize. If Obviously, you got to like it, but and outside of the rewarding, the pay is great. It's yep. great. These guys come out of and you trade have no school. Debt. And you have great. no debt. You know? Yeah, they come out of, they come out of, they're an apprentice without having, you know, $200,000 in student yep. loans. It's awesome. It's a win, 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 win. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, there's so many, so many great trades out there. And, and, and I'm sure if you have any interest whatsoever, you know, you'll find one. 
So I really appreciate you taking the time here today. I hope you had fun because I certainly did. Yes, absolutely. Would you like to share your contact information, social media, website, if someone wants to get a hold of you? Sure. Well, and I do, I, besides just doing everything else, I do our LinkedIn page, which is mm-hmm. MHI Consulting. I do our Facebook page, again, MHI Consulting. We have Instagram, MHI Consulting. So all of those, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, MeWe. I forget what, I, the only one I don't do is Twitter. I don't understand Twitter. I'm not young enough. Yeah, I'm on there, but I don't really use it either. Yeah, that's that's. Yeah, one I feel like I need uh, to. Uh, I need to. That's the one that we looked at. Maybe I can get an intern to do all this. <laughs> hey, it might it might uh, pay? Yeah, right. That's get just somebody the way, young the way who knows the, how to, the world. Yeah. Yep. So yeah, you can find me on all, and you can find me personally on all of them, Christine Workman, or C. Yeah, I think the only one that I'm not Christine Workman on is Instagram. It's C Workman. See Workman X98 because I do live in Jersey, so we go by exits here. Yeah, I'll get that all in the uh, show notes. And then uh, let me know about the stateside vodka outing. I will absolutely. I thank you so much for that. I connected with them, and it's a group that, you know, it's, it, I think that's a, that'd be a phenomenal networking event, right? Go to stateside vodka. You did the construction there, and we can talk to them about, you know, the, the expansion project and, you know, the facility management portion of it, and then taste some awesome vodkas. Definitely. Yeah. And they have, they have some other, other products too, that a lot of people don't even know. They have bourbon and now they have their vodka soda drinks too. And, um, and they're, they're expanding. They're doing well. Yeah. Doing, doing I feel like well. that craft market is really blown up in Philly. Yeah. So yes, thank you for getting me that information too. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad it's working out. You're very welcome. Well, thanks again. And I'll see you, uh, Soon, I'll see you at the next event. Yeah. Sounds good. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Constructing Greatness podcast. If you enjoyed what you've heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback, you can reach me directly at nicholasofac at gmail.com. Thanks again for listening. 